0: People really need to spend the time to look both back into their lives, lives to see where they came, um, both good things and bad things, whatever their perceptions are of that, see where it got them now, where are they? And then kind of see where that trajectory in the future. To me, one of the beautiful things about Tantra is it helps people stop wanting to escape this world. Real science is constantly challenging itself. Yep. True, true science is constantly saying, well, maybe not. We need to choose. It's, it's about dialogue. To me, that's the most important thing. If we can just have a dialogue on mm-hmm. these ideas, yeah. um, that's where we start as opposed to banning dialogues.
1: Hi, it's Jennifer, and welcome to another episode of Connection. It was such an honor to speak with my next guest, Craig Williams. Craig has a long list of acronyms after his name, which we discuss. He's extremely accomplished in many fields of alternative health practices, although I consider them more mainstream health sciences. Craig is an acupuncturist, Ayurvedic specialist, herbalist, and all-around badass who practices his magic in Austin, Texas. I turned to Craig when I lived there to assist me on my healing journey. His words and wisdom are powerful and palpable. Listen carefully, soak it all in, and I'll see you on the other side. I just want to review... (laughs) Your long list of credentials that make me <laughs> very, uh, very under-accomplished, Craig, yeah. thank you for that. So, degree <laughs> in religious studies, master's in oriental medicine, certified east-west herbalist, 15 years academic training, Ayurveda, yoga, jyotish, Vedanta, and tantra, we'll get into all of that.
0: Sure, sure, sure.
1: Ordained bishop, certified mm-hmm. health coach, certified revolution running coach, Certified nutrition coach, certified holistic nutritionist, take a drink, because we're still going. <laughs> Licensed acupuncturist, sports conditioning coach, behavior change specialist. We all give you some of that. Functional medicine coach and nutritionist. And I had to like consolidate and skip some.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just don't so, worry about all those things.
1: When did you one have all the time? Like I want to know the journey that took you on all of that. And sure. Um And how did you, like, did one thing lead to, another? this is all of the stuff I would have done had I had the ambition to actually get the studies done, you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. All of my hobbies.
0: Yeah. No, I was pretty lucky that I just got interested in these things um, when I was very young. And so I, I initially was interested more in Chinese medicine and Ayurveda. And then I had a passion for nutrition. And so it just kind of built from there. And then you know, when you're in medicine, you're always having to specialize, you're always having to do continuing education. So I just would just kind of find something that I liked and just find found mentors, found coaches that I loved, found teachers that I loved, and just continued to specialize uh, in all those. And so now I I would, I mean, I, I would say that I specialize in Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, but I have a deep love for nutrition and helping people have helping people figure out ways to change their behavior to maximize health. And so that gets, that's, that's where we kind of bring in the coaching thing. So I love coaching people who are professional runners, professional MMA athletes, but also love coaching someone just to achieve their basic health goals. So, um, but I've been in school for a long time. I I mean, that's just how it goes. I'm 51 and I was lucky that I kind of figured out what I wanted to do when I was 23 or 24 or something like that. And so I just kind of built it up from there.
1: Well, I mean, you touched on, I think, what is the most important thing for a teacher is to always be a student and absolutely. Yeah. Always to always learn. Um, what piqued your interest when you were young? Like most people are smoking pot and (laughs) or just getting out of college, maybe going to law school.
0: When I was really young, I, I, I always was very much interested in spiritual ideas. Um, I was lucky that I was raised in a family that was very open to spiritual ideas. Um, I met someone from the Hare Krishna movement when I was very young and they gave me a copy of the Bhagavad Gita when I was like 11 or 12. And I just loved it. I just became obsessed with it. And I would read that and study that. um, And that just kind of opened up a doorway into studies of all different types of subjects. Um, And then when I went into college, I I knew that I enjoyed writing, um, but I also was interested in medicine and maybe doing pre-med. So I just decided to do some liberal arts studies prior to going into pre-med. So I did a degree in English literature, a degree in religious studies. But when I was in religious studies, I focused on Hinduism and, and Gnosticism, those two particular areas. So it kind of gave me a background that when I went into deeper study of Ayurveda, I already had the philosophy down, the whole idea of how the system was built. And that's how it went. And then when I was doing pre med, I, I met a really cool um, acupuncturist out of California. Um, and Michael Tierra, one of my herbalist teachers, really pushed me into going into Chinese medicine. And so I kind of, kind of went from there and then just everything kind of opened up. So, um, and then, although I, I love Chinese medicine and I love Ayurveda, I, I have training in both. I kind of, they, they, there's so much cross pollination that goes on between both systems. Um, so to me, it's very natural. Uh, I don't encourage everyone to do that. However, I mean, it, it is very hard. It's hard enough to, to master one subject. You know, I right. just got I just got lucky that I had a passion for doing this. I chose I, I made a lot of sacrifices in my life, you know, to achieve these things. I had to do a lot of sacrifices because it takes a lot of time. But for me, it was a joy. Um, it, was, it was almost a type of karma yoga and so and to do that and so it was very easy it was fun i liked it um so so that to me it was a it was a very simple path but it's funny when you look back on your life you see a you see a clear trajectory yeah a plan that was going on at the time I, i i didn't really know i was just kind of following my heart and doing things that seemed interesting and things that i was passionate about and now i look back and it looks like you know there's a puppet master just kind of leading you on the way, you know, which that's, that's how karma, you know, I'm a big believer in karma and that so many things in our lives, lives are just kind of put into motion and we're, we just kind of surf through it. um, Hopefully gracefully.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, one of my favorite definitions of Tantra is to weave, you know, it has many definitions and, and that always helped me in like, you don't understand the story that's being woven until you're way beyond and what's happening now, it's going to take another 10 years to look back and go, "Yeah, Yeah. Oh, I get it. And it, and it ends up being this beautiful tapestry.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Even that, you know, that, that's what always helps me in in the hard times.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. And that's a big point. Something that I, I repeatedly try to tell people is that they have to find their narrative. People really need to spend the time to look both back into their lives, lives to see where they came, um, both good things and bad things, whatever their perceptions are of that, see where it got them now, where are they, and then kind of see where that trajectory in the future is. And and if we don't do that, then people, they feel lost, they feel disconnected, Mm -hmm. They they feel adrift. Um, and oftentimes it's just because they're not looking back and different things. And sometimes that requires someone helping you to do that. Other times you can do that on your own.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but it is very important to see that kind of trajectory in, in our lives, because like you said, uh, you, you often don't see it when you're in it. And oftentimes when we're, we're having challenges in our life, it's, it can be hard for us to see that. But if we do see that trajectory, we develop a deep inner faith. We can cultivate a deep sense of faith and groundedness in who we are, where we're going. And that kind of gives us this foundation that, that kind of grounds us through all the waves of life that will come and go because so many things in our life and sad, I say, sadly, but more realistically, so many things in our lives will come and go, you know, things that we think are important really aren't that important things that we didn't think were important, turn out to be very important. But if we have a foundation, uh, which I think revolves around a spiritual foundation, spiritual health, and then physical and mental health. If we have that, uh, then we can kind of be grounded. Um, and that, and I think a lot of people don't have that these days. At least I see that in my in my patients. I see that in my practice. A lot of people feel lost.
1: Well, especially during these times without that, what you call grounding, what I'll, I'll call almost like self-empowerment, sovereignty, yep. to know yep. that, that every choice that you've made got you to this point absolutely and and, and, you know it's not the circumstances i keep i'm I'm running across my friend megan murphy just wrote a book called your fully charged life and and then jordan peterson and all these people i come across the the one message is it's never about what happens to you it's about your response and your perspective on it
0: yeah absolutely
1: and it can change your life. I mean, it changed, it changed mine. So like you said, you need that ability to self-reflect and you need something to ground you to, to yeah. feel like you can weather these storms that we've been going through, especially the past year.
0: Sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was telling someone the other day that they were asking me, um, you know, how has my life, how has my life changed in the past year? And and I kind of laughed, because although I'm not absolutely not making light of the severity of how people's lives change, my life didn't change at all. I mean, I kept training martial arts with the same people. We we, we weren't afraid of anything. I kept going to my jobs. I kept going to my clinics. Everything like that. I kept teaching. I kept. I wrote a book. I mean, everything that I was going to do happened yeah there you go <laughs> there's the book that took five years off my life or something like that no um but so I, it didn't really change anything for me because i already had so many things that were going on and and uh and because i just ha- I have a focus on what i want to do and how i want to get it done now was it frustrating yeah it was frustrating at times to see the chaos in the world and how people react we're yeah. acting or not you know so i understand that part um but i think we all we should really try to strive to have things in our lives, goals, passions that just kind of keep us focused no matter what goes on, no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody does. Because I think in that culture we have now, we have such a culture of information. It's like information overload. Um, And then with all the social media kind of technology things, You know, everyone's always arguing and everyone's always attacking each other and everyone's always, you know, keyboard warriors or whatever kind of words you want to use for it. And so a lot of people take those things too seriously and they get their feelings hurt too easy or they get, they lose their goals their focus too easy. Um, And we just can't, we really can't let that happen um, because there's always going to be someone who's going to say something negative to you. There's always going to be someone who doesn't like you, no matter what you do. And that's just how life is. And so it's best just to surround yourself with positive people, mentors, people that inspire you, uh, you know, to be, the be a better person. And that gives you a chance uh, to all these other things. It's, and that's where that whole you know, idea of Ayurvedic health, which is like mental, spiritual, physical, emotional, all these different levels of health that a lot of people just don't think of these days.
1: Well, yeah, let's go into that because that is your, I, I did have a question um, before we do go into Ayurveda. You mentioned Gnosticism. What exactly is Gnosticism um, for the listeners that may not know? And also karma or karma, karma, you said, you know, your studies were a part of, you saw it as karma yoga.
0: Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, not, not that Gnosticism, that's a big question. I mean, Gnosticism from an academic standpoint was a pre-Christian heretical viewpoint um, that was kind of derived from the Nag scriptures, which were discovered in around 1947. And it was, it was it has a lot of ancient ideas that were obviously predating Christianity, kind of kind of even seeped into Christianity. Um, so that is and oftentimes it has this idea of these two forces battling for the soul and humanity, darkness versus light. But it's a very nuanced idea. There's Valentinianism, Manichaeism, all these different things that goes into. But I was always very interested in that. Um, It was just like an ancient reflection. Now, one thing to think of is the word Gnostic or Gnosticism means someone who has a direct experience of the numinous or a direct experience of the divine. However you want to word it, whether you want to call it the numinous, the unexplainable, the cosmic mystery, whatever. But the Gnostic means that someone has had a direct taste of it. They weren't just reading about it; they actually tasted it. It's like the idea from the tantric text. They say, "Do you want me to read? You want me to read what sugar is like, or do you want me to just give you a spoonful of sugar and then you can just taste it?" So that's the so Gnosticism was more about mystical traditions where people were where did certain practices to have a direct experience, an unmediated connection to something divine. Um, and then Karma Yoga for me, the idea is that you know our lives should be. A ritual. Our lives should be a sacred ritual, honoring the divine, honoring this rare chance we have to have a a human body, Um, and especially this rare chance to have a human body that's healthy. And that's huge. That's such a blessing. And then if you're also given the opportunity to study with teachers and the opportunity to go to sacred places, it just becomes these layers and layers of sacred gifts that we have of life. And so I always saw my life as that as just a gift. So I felt both the responsibility to kind of give back and to dedicate myself to those traditions and those paths. And so for me, studying Ayurveda, studying Chinese medicine, um, all these things was a way that I could give back. I guess you could say my dharma, Mm -hmm. but my my dharma and my karma kind of intermeshed. I I got lucky with that. See, not everybody's dharma and their karma is the same. I just totally lucked out. It really is. I love it. Uh, and that's how it works. So none of that was really hard for me, but it's much like martial arts. Like I've been in martial arts all of my life since I was a little kid. I just love it. And, and so it's just something I do. And so it just, it, to me, it's just a joy. Other people would see like, oh, that looks violent or that looks rough or it looks too toxic masculinity or whatever buzzword is the day. But it's just to me, it's just like, oh, that's my life. That's who I am. Um, and so people meet me from different angles, right? People might meet me and they only know me as an acupuncturist where or they, or they meet me and they only know me as a writer or they only know me as a, it, I have all these different sides that it, it, only my close friends really know who I am which is fine by me yeah
1: yeah, yeah keep a small circle that's what I say you don't
0: mm-hmm. like you. Um, no yeah yeah As one of my one of my one of my best friends one of my coaches uh, can we use uh, simple cuss words on this nothing horrible you can i you can
1: use yeah. complex cuss words if you <laughs>
0: yeah one of my uh, one of my mentors and best friends has a t-shirt that says fuck you i already have enough friends and so and so that's one of my friends, yeah, it's like, yeah so i was like that's a really good t-shirt i like that one um i would so,
1: say fuck you i have my
0: cat yeah yeah right right exactly exactly <laughs> yeah because i think that's the thing it with especially with this whole social media culture is like that everyone seems to be vying for like more friends or more likes or more something else and then as soon as anyone you know doesn't really care about that then oftentimes they're labeled like a jerk arrogant an asshole whatever it is um and so i think it's those are all it's so tricky these days how to to navigate all those waters
1: well, when you don't care, you, you're like, I've been, you know, holding back about sharing an opinion and,
0: yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. who the
1: hell cares about my opinion, to be honest? But, um, right, 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 you know, but there, when you don't care about that, like I saw my follower list just go, tank, oh, you know, right,
0: right, started, right, yep, yep, really
1: kind of expressing how I felt. And, and this ties into something else I, I do want to talk about is this idea of like health, yeah, it's so limited, like how do you not wake up like you mentioned this is like a this this meat suit we're in is a is a freaking miracle
0: yeah that's true the very
1: fact that you're up out of bed breathing the very fact that our earth is spinning in like yeah proximity to the sun and the moon and the moon like all of that is miraculous
0: it's huge yeah and i think that's that's so lost on so many people don't seem to grasp that
1: and 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 like it, it baffles me, yeah, Like the, that we, we are insistent about focusing on the little nitpicky problem yeah. Yeah. when there's so much miraculous around
0: us. Yeah, totally. I think, I think with, that's obviously mirrored and indicated uh, with people's complete obsession with technological information, right? I mean, if, we, if anybody watches the news, um, they're not going to get any positive information. I mean, you, you, I mean, any major network news is 100% propaganda right now. It's fear porn, doom porn, and propaganda, 100% of the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so anybody who just feeds that constantly, it's, that's the concept of, you know, Ayurvedic and our senses, the indriyas. we're always feeding it, right? We feed it with impressions. We feed it with what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we smell. And if, if those are more natural sources, then we have a little bit more natural mind space and natural atmosphere, I like to call it. But if someone's just feeding it fear, fear, fear all the time, then they're going to be depressed, anxious, and then they'll obviously, you know, usually become so bifurcated in how they think it's always good versus bad, this side yeah. versus that. Yeah. They're, they're, they see no nuance. Yeah. They see no ability to have... Uh, contradictory viewpoints, right? That's one of the most basic ideas that we teach that they not we teach, but people teach in philosophies like, or even law school. Can you hold two contradictory views? Can you argue for the opposite side? Like these aren't radical ideas. These are this really basic ideas of debate. I remember in high school we had to do this. What is your here's your thing you have to debate on? It didn't matter if you believed in it or not. You had to research it, do it, encompass it, do it like that. So I think now. People just have completely lost that idea. Like, you know, everyone wants to attack every artist for something they've done or every musician for something they've done. And if they weren't a good person, then you're you're supposed to like not listen to any of their music or not have any of their books. And it's just out of control. Uh, And and so I think that that's, we see that reflected in these, uh, that people can't focus on anything that's good. They can't focus on anything that's a true miracle. They're always so focused on discord, disharmony, uh, horrible things that are happening. Um, It's very sad. Um, And I wrote a whole book about this called Entering the Desert. And I talked a lot about this. I called it the virus of modernity, where people are just like they're infected and they don't even realize it, that they're just infected with this. Um, And then, and it's so. I think it's it's a sad thing. Um, I'm very hopeful too, but for for the majority of people, there's always options to turn things around. But I don't think that it's going to be, you know, the revolution's not going to be televised. You know, as they say, it's not going to come through the normal. It's not going to come through the normal sources. People are really going to have to start disconnecting from propaganda-based information and start reading on their own, thinking on their own. And there's nothing wrong with technology. You and I are talking via technology. I love to keep up with tech things, information, but also, you know, we, we have to develop our agni, our mental agni, the mana agni, the discriminating mind that can kind of discriminate between what's truth and what's false, or, or just to be able to say, I don't know, or maybe that's not important for me. Um, and I think a lot of people aren't doing that. I mean, I'll I always say if people spent all the time they spent worrying, all the time they spent attacking other people, if they spend all that time cultivating their own health, mm-hmm. they, do, they would transform their lives, you know? If well, there's if many, dare,
1: dare I say, we wouldn't be where we are right now. Right,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Health-wise.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, I, yeah, there's so much
0: there. Um, now, if someone's dharma is to be a, a, a revolutionary If someone's dharma is to be a civil rights activist, uh, awesome, then that's their dharma, right? But that's not everyone's dharma. You know, not everyone's supposed to be a doctor. Not everyone's supposed to be a lawyer. Not everyone's supposed to be a teacher. So everyone has to find their path or their dharma. But it seems now that you know no one can seem to do that. Everyone just constantly wants to be arguing over everything constantly all the time. And, and, and so I think it's good to be informed. It's good to watch the news and to a certain extent. But we also need to realize when it's starting to get creepy. You know, as they call the creepy factor from that, that Google documentary where the Google executive was saying there's this one level where it's a creepy factor where we can manipulate people's minds. And we oh, want to take
1: social, yeah, social.
0: And he's like, we want to take it right to that level, you know, because they know that they know that they want to take it right there. So I think people just need to be a little bit more aware and, yeah, and spend time disconnecting if they're, especially if they're just not happy. Yeah. I mean, I said,
1: you know, I have, and, and to clarify too for people that don't know Dharma purpose, meaning of life, like, right. Right. Your purpose really is right. Like it. Um, I noticed myself going down like the Facebook rabbit hole, yeah. and I got off for three months and I got back on only because I' starting this podcast. And I said, you know, if I have if I'm gonna share an opinion about anything, I'm only gonna share it within my role of expertise or Dharma, which is health. Yeah, 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 connection, yeah. spirituality. you know, i'm I'm staying out of arguments. You know, even political. I'm staying out of that. If I have yeah, something, yeah, yeah. Say, I had something to say about the Krispy Kreme giving free donuts for vaccinations.
0: I yeah, something Yeah, that was crazy.
1: Because that's you know, you want to know why we're here is because we are not a healthy society, like you yeah, said. Yeah, I know. Always, so um, I had something to say, and I felt like I couldn't not. It was like I found out about it. I was in the car, and I was like, "Are you kidding? Oh my god, are you kidding?" Me?
0: I know, I know.
1: I was like, that is mind blowing. This was,
0: it's almost like, it's almost like a Portlandia sketch because, you know, especially now we know that like one of the biggest complications from the medical issues we're seeing now is type two diabetes and blood sugar issues. It's like, and so that you can't even make anything more ridiculous up than to saying like, let's give you the most sugar laden thing in the world to give you that vaccination. It's, It's wild i know that I was I, like
1: fla- i used the word flabbergasted because there was just no other word for it and then you have people on the radio you know i was on a i'm like i just want to listen to my country music
0: yes you know?
1: like, yes this is the greatest thing ever you could go every day technically there's no limit and i'm like
0: i know i know oh yeah yeah it's it's unfortunate
1: Um, let's get back to health. Let's get to Ayurveda because, you know, you and I know it's kind of a sister science to yoga to actually practice yoga without Ayurveda. You're missing a big chunk of of it. So I think I'll let you explain what it is and and how you work with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a good way to think about Ayurveda is that, you know, they'll often refer to as the science of life or the science of longevity. And it's basically the, you know, the, the Ayurvedic idea is that it's a system of medicine which originated in, in India or Southeast Asia, and it kind of seeks to maximize one's genetic potential. It seeks to really maximize one's ability to live a life in, in harmony with their environment and in harmony with their body type and in harmony with the larger picture, of the cosmos. And so that, that, that entails learning to live in harmony with the seasons, learning to balance certain foods with ourselves, and then understanding who we are, what is our unique mental type, what is our unique body type, and then how all these things we can do to kind of build lifestyle regimens, seasonal regimens to make the most of of this lifetime. It's it's, a lot of it has to do with like nutrigenomics or genetic expression, right? We know that like if we eat a certain way, it Allows our genes to express a certain way. If we eat a bad way, then our genes ex- can express in a negative way. Just like so, that's kind of what Ayurveda was. It was like a, a like a primordial epigenetics. Mm. It was like it was a way that it was kind of teaching people like, hey, if you have your body in harmony with the seasons, if you have your body in harmony with your unique body type, you're going to be able to thrive. And if you do have problems, they're easily balanced. We can just we can swing them back. And so that was the They were mainly focused on physical and mental health, but it was rooted in a deep spiritual foundation. And that's where yoga kind of branched off from that too. That yoga would kind of really dive into that physical, that spiritual part, and then take it one step further with their ideas of meditation, pranayama, you know, all those things. So the sciences are work together. Um, but Ayurveda at its most base point is just to teach someone how to be comfortable in their own body, how to be comfortable where they live, and how to be comfortable so that they can truly kind of live their dharma in the best possible way they can
1: yeah or and it's,
0: it, yeah and it, it's exactly that's the whole point was to create a healthy family a healthy community a healthy person that's the whole point of ayurveda um, and yes that means they use herbs they use diet lifestyle factors um, they have different kind of detoxification techniques massage techniques um, all these things come into play and then many of the limbs of yoga come into it as well too so
1: yeah, well, I think I think somehow we've got it backwards because most people equate like you equated yoga with the spirituality aspect and are available with the body and the mind. Yes. And People are yes. connecting yoga with the body, with the physical aspect.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, there obviously is the hatha yoga practice, but yes,
0: I, yes, yes much totally.
1: So of it is, is missed in you know in the Western practice of yoga.
0: Yeah, a lot of it's, you know, sociological. It depends on which culture, uh, you know, what the cultural beliefs are and, and, and how that's going to where it was seated and how it's going to come out. You know, the Western world really, really didn't have a perspective of what to do with yoga when it came. So it, it became very asana focused, very focused on that. And then, you know, over time, we could see there was a there was a chance for other doorways to open for people to really expand their viewpoint of it. Um, But, you know, I'll give you a quick uh, example of where there's like been confusion between the two systems is like you'll often see with diet, for example, you'll often see people giving um, recommendations that they call Ayurvedic. And they're saying like, oh, you have to be vegetarian, you have to be vegan. And, And that's not true at all with Ayurveda. Ayurveda was very open to using a wide range of meats, meat products, bone broth, tons of dairy fermented type products if the patient needed it. Right all based on what was going on. Now, yoga had some more what they would call like a, the gunic influence, the sattvic diet, which was different. And that was not meant for everybody. That wasn't meant for society at large. That was meant for like sadhus, practitioners, people undergoing like the you know, specific, like the Hatha Yoga Pradipika specific maybe purification techniques. But now you'll see people say, oh, I'm giving an Ayurvedic workshop and I'm vegan and, and it has to be vegetarian. That's not accurate at all. The two systems have been very confused. Um, but a lot of that's just, they, people just don't know it. They just weren't introduced to that ideas, but many people, uh, if they're sick, need a little bit of meat or maybe not, it just depends on their body type. Uh, yeah, so, I you definitely
1: know, so, feel better. I'm, you know, Vata Pitta. So yeah, uh, yeah. the Vata definitely needs some animal products and, and the beauty of, of learning all this and experimenting with your own body is you, you learn what you need when, and yeah, you yeah. become the master of you.
0: Totally. So, so that's, so both the systems definitely inform each other. It's just, you know, oftentimes they get, people get confused in the, in the Western world because they just, they don't have a background for it as well.
1: Yeah. I think one of my favorite, um, just simplistic views of, of Ayurveda is that we're a microcosm of the macro. And so it's, there's,
0: yeah, essentially. Yeah. We're a mini universe.
1: Yeah. There's no, like yeah. this universe, anything that's found in nature is found in us. We have five elements. It yep. works. Same way and we also have the same miracle within us to go back to that kind of subject we were talking about that the body is you know you hear everyone say this the body is well,
0: yes yes
1: when you really are practicing that and that's not to say like you said you have to juice all the time and like what did i say right. when you bumped our when you bumped our hour up or back one i was like well i may be into a cocktail by then i don't know
0: yeah that's <laughs> like, a good thing right yeah yeah, yeah that's like, not i, I, I mean a even cocktail. Even in the Ayurvedic uh, classical medical textbook, they would they would often talk about the benefits of alcohol. And they'd say things like, you know, oh, you know, a certain amount of drinks each day makes everyone happier, makes everyone laugh a little bit more. They were very open to that. They were saying, but don't do too much. If you do too much, this will happen. So yeah, they were very open to these ideas. It, it wasn't any kind of a puritanical or, or raw food vegan kind of thing, or overtly this. It was just a very realistic way. And like you said, the Ayurveda wants to harmonize the physical universe, but they also want to harmonize the mental universe with the cosmos, both. And oftentimes, we can see a big disconnect between those two. Right in the West, that people either live completely in their mind or they completely in their bodies, even though they don't realize the disconnect. So, Ayurveda is always trying to harmonize those two back and forth, you know, with that as well too. Um, so, and I think Ayurveda is really good for grounding people because a lot of people in yoga get they just they get to be space cadets. Mm-hmm. They get completely vatted out, spaced out, and then Ayurveda helps ground them back into this physical body. Um, because 99% of all people are not meant to become living a sadhu in a cave, right? Those people, they're, they're out there, but most people are, are living a regular life and their everyday life, and they're, they're going to have families, friends, things they are going to do. Uh, then, and definitely, we want them to be infused with a spiritual perception. But that level of how they do that needs to be grounded. If not, they'll be, they can get spacey, they can get kind of space that they can get depression, they can get anxiety from all these things that come with that. So, Ayurveda really grounds people back, um, helps them be rooted, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, my, there was a point where my spiritual practice, I think, aggravated depression. Mm-hmm,
0: um, mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, so yeah, you can see that for sure.
1: A little bit of the real world, you know, kind of the real world was necessary for me. You know, I yeah do better when I'm in community and have a cocktail and enjoying my food and not thinking yeah. about, it, you know, yes, my stomach works better. Everything works better.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's very important for people to understand. And Veda, gives people the, the kind of blueprints where they can customize that and they could be at least a true Ayurveda. You know, if someone's going to Ayurveda and the practitioner says, oh, you can't eat meat, you can't have any alcohol, you can't do this. That's that's not that's not true. That's not true Ayurveda at all. Well Without we'll see Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> I mean and again to,
1: another science that's within that is why I was drawn to Tantra is because um, of this Tantra was not meant like you said, for sadhus. I mean, there are some sadhus, tantric right. sadhus, it, right. it's right. for householders, right? It's for people that had families and jobs and lives to run, but underneath that was the spiritual foundation. So it felt a lot more applicable in this material world and for yeah. someone with material desires.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tantra is Tantra is obviously a very diverse universe in and of itself as well. But And it helps them kind of literally immerse themselves into this world where they don't see the body as negative. They don't see desires as negative, that, they can, that our body, our desires, our perception can all be offered up and sacrificed from a tantric perspective to the goddess. And, and, then, and then she allows us to get a whole different perspective on our life and where we're going. Um, and so that's different things. And of course, Tantra has many different practices for that. But like you said, that's essentially it. It's, it's, it's not a sense of escapism. Yeah. It's not just not trying to run away from the world or run away from our bodies. Um, it's about of being more grounded in our bodies, grounded in our emotions. What I like to say, it's like grounded in the human experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, our human experience should be very sacred and can be extremely spiritual if we have the right perception. If people don't, then they see the human experience as sad, lonely, depressed, or something like that. So
1: it's tricky. I mean, that's your book, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. That's essentially the whole point of what I wanted to. Yeah, I really wanted to infuse that idea into that book and for people to see that, okay, you know, we really need to look at tantra from this perspective. And if you do that, and then I wanted to really emphasize the bhakti part of, of that tantra of how our lives should be worship our lives can be a, a, a an unending kind of offering up to of gratefulness and gratitude for what we what has given us and we talk when we say the goddess that means this kind of cosmic feminine force which has created the world and has created us we've come from the womb obviously yeah <laughs> and that's and so we're we're still existing we will return to the cosmic womb we were born from the cosmic womb so the goddess and that idea of the womb is such an important thing for people to understand. Um, more than ever in these days when people are so arguing about you know, everything from gender issues to relationships between male and female. It's it's very, it's very sad, you know, to see all those things going on because Tantra offers a lot of hope and a lot of beautiful ways to, to heal that. So Tantra's Tantra is very healing. It's it's almost a medicine in, in and of itself. Yeah.
1: I agree um so you know we're talking about the womb and the feminine we see this rise of the feminine which is beautiful right and I, I understand the role of the masculine but everybody's like well yeah that's what we need we need all feminine like so right. can explain right. can you explain the role of the masculine and why we can't just discard like yeah. you kind of when yeah. toxic masculinity but yeah
0: yeah oh yeah it's a it's a very strange time right now like you know it's like where we, people tend to not understand. Um, I mean, we can look at two a basic concepts of like the yin and the yang symbol, right? Mm-hmm. They're both, they're just, it, it's perfect harmony. They're, 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 and they're transforming into each other, constantly morphing in and out. And that's the same thing with Agni and Soma, fire and water from Tantra. And everyone exists, everyone has a male and female inside of themselves, and they have to integrate that as well too. And so that's the, all. We have all these alchemical relationships just occurring, cosmically, uh, in personally, psychologically, and then from a tantric you know, perspective, spiritually. So we have to. The men have to learn how to have a relationship with their female side, and then females have to learn have a relationship with their male side, and then our own personal alchemy of what that means. With that, it's all there. It should all be there. We can't just cut that off. And when you try to cut one side off, that's when you start to have problems things can get really screwy, things can get really weird. And I think we're seeing that in our world right now where that we tend to demonize certain things, uh, you know. It's, very, it's you, very sad.
1: Yeah. What would you say is the role, if there's a role, certain role, not not gender role, masculine. Well, oh,
0: right, 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 right. But right. the role
1: of the masculine energy.
0: Well, that's a tricky question, right? Because everyone now wants to define what they mean by masculine. But I think in general, I think we, I like to think of it more in terms of, of yin and yang or the more kind of core concepts because the masculine concept could be something which everyone could, could embrace. For example, you know, if I am wanting to encourage someone in martial arts, if I'm teaching someone in martial arts, then I want them to have more yang energy, more fiery energy, which typically, from that perspective, is attributed to to men, right? They want it to be more aggressive, more fighting with that. But then I also want them to be very receptive to certain ideas too, and that's the yin side. That's and so they would typically label that feminine. Well, now of course people argue and say, well, no, who are you to say that the Female or that, so it just goes down a rabbit hole, right? You yeah, can't even yeah. you can't even almost have a conversation because someone's saying, "Well, who are you to say that Yang is that? Maybe, maybe to me, Yang is this." It's like so then that all bets are off, you know. That's yeah. and that's so the, we, we have if we're looking at these traditional systems then they each of the traditional systems had kind of like a way that they were expressing this just like you know it's the same thing in yoga is the prakriti and purusha, right Purusha was the male and then prakriti was the female that was creating the entire world and so that just had those kind of nuances with that just like sanskrit just
1: just interrupt like explain what Purusha is because i i've I've heard a lot and even when i talked to sally kempton is is prakriti or, um, or the feminine, it, shakti is the creator, but what is the force of, without gender identifying in these systems, in these traditional Eastern systems, what is the force of yang, purusha, the mass? Yeah,
0: I mean, those ideas, that, you know those, that's a good point. That's kind of where I always like to kind of ground it, is that you know when, when we look at these primordial concepts of like yin, yin is like a type of cosmic receptivity, a cosmic womb, a cosmic growth, a cosmic darkness. And then Yang is a typically a cosmic fire, a cosmic light, a cosmic expression. And But they can't exist without each other. See, they they have to be within each other. They're self-defining. You want to, you can't even relate one without the other. That's the whole point. Like there is no yin without Yang. There is no yang without yin. And so now people want to say, no, I just want a world just with yin. Or I want a world just with yang. Well, that's a problem. You know, that's a problem with with everybody. But we can see in the world, you can see that everyone's different, right? You can meet 10 different people and they might wear the same shirt. They might all be the same sex. They might all have the same haircut, but they're different. Everyone's different and they're unique. And to me, that's the true diversity is when we honor each person's uniqueness without having to force them into some kind of stereotype. Because I'm all about breaking stereotypes, right? That's, I'm all about that. There's no, and so a lot of people see traditions uh, with a capital T as being only gatekeepers and just enforcing stereotypes, right? And we see that, that some traditions have done that, but that's, we can find that in anything. I can find that in the medical systems. I can find it in everywhere where they're trying to force people into certain things, but the real traditions, and I talk about this in my book, should always be evolving. There's, they have a ground, they have a root, but they can always be evolving too and growing, um, just like there were powerful teachers and rishis in the Vedas that were women. There were powerful teachers and teachers and rishis in the Vedas that were men, and so they're they're both they're both coexisting with that too. Just you know, I think the best metaphor too is when we look at the the Vedic or the Hindu creation myth, and it's it's very beautiful, and you know it's the it's the, the we say the asuras and the, and the and the beings of light the devas with almost like some people would say like the darkness and light are kind of having a tug of war yeah and that's the only way the universe can be created and they're tugging on that snake they're both and through that churning uh, this alchemical action the goddess emerges from that and can create the world and that's like the most obvious alchemical reflection it's like we have to have both we have okay. to have darkness and light they're both working together in this way to create this world and it wasn't just like oh only the gods came and created it. The, the the darkness was not prevented and of course you had little funny stories where they're you know the darkness was trying to get one leg up and the demons were trying to get one leg up and the <laughs> goddess would save everybody those are beautiful stories just about human life but that's the idea is that there there is this kind of cosmic alchemy going on where we need both sides and we and that obviously means self-integration, but it also means integration between our anima or animus. If you want to use a union perspective uh, or the shadow side, all these things. There's many modern ways we can look at those terms, but from the traditional systems of Chinese medicine or Ayurveda, they often saw this constant harmony between the, you know, the light and the darkness, the yin and the yang, the fire and the water, all of that was going on together all that was happening just like we see birth right birth but you know two different kind of substances come together to create an embryo and then it's gestated there's the tapas you know we have the yogic heat of the womb it's like an incubation kind of factory and then something is produced and so then that's the beauty of it and then whatever is produced is very unique so i think that's the problem today is like one side isn't the best and one side isn't the worst we just need a we just need a balanced side to see that. And every side has abuses. Everyone, we can always find. I mean, you can always find a, a bully who's an asshole, who's a guy. But you can also find, I mean, I can I could we could go through a list of very creepy women who worked in government in the CIA who approved torture for thousands of people. And that's it doesn't just take a man to do horrible things, and it doesn't just take a woman to do. It's like humans can do horrible things. Believe me, so that, I think that's the key. Um, and then when people study these traditional systems, they shouldn't see them as you know, limitations or misogynistic or patriarchal. Of course, we've seen problems with that, but we also can break free of that. And yeah. we, can use the, we can use these traditional systems to inspire us to create new harmony in the day and age we live in to understand things from a different perspective and to see how we can maybe grow if we challenge our perspective with that um it's it's very important that these are big topics they're hard to just like get you know you could do a six-hour lecture just on that so hopefully i've helped give something to that that but i think it's important and you ask a good question because that is a big thing today you know like what is the role of the male what is the role of the female what does that mean yeah
1: well and perspective is i mean perspective is everything i remember my teacher like nothing another thing i took from tantra is nothing is good or bad
0: Yes, yes.
1: Is this moving me closer to
0: Dharma?
1: Is this moving me closer to joy? Sometimes a cocktail, a margarita is the very thing I need. Sometimes it's poison.
0: Yeah, 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 totally.
1: I have to be discerning enough to know that difference. And we've lost that edge of discernment. And now everything is bad or everything is good. And this way is bad and that way is good. And if you don't follow the good way, you're
0: bad <laughs> yeah yeah it's very dangerous we're seeing almost like we're we're, we're as as people claim that they want less religion and they want to become more secular you're seeing more and more fundamentalist thinking now right people and it's like they can only one way is the right way if you even remotely question the narrative then you're instantly demonized or you're instantly just put on the bad side. If, if you have no relation to that bad side, you know, if, and so it's, it's wild to see that, but I think a lot of it shows the fear and the insecurity that people have, they, that they feel like they want some kind of guaranteed solution. It's all, it reminds me of people saying like, all you have to do is believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. That's all you need to do, and if you just do this one thing, and if someone said, "Well, I don't believe that," okay, then you're going to hell. Next, I mean, that's how it is now. It's how people have that that attitude. It's like you have to believe this or that. It's it. There's no nuance, you know. And we see that with science, right? The buzzword people throw around, like uh, the, the the signs in their front yard. This house believes in science. You know, that's the thing that to me, I'm on. It, it, yeah, it drives me just wild because number one. I know hardly anyone who reads science textbooks now. No one reads science. They don't even understand what science means. Number two, science is completely corrupt. Science can be bought and sold just like elections can. And for every, you know, that's the whole joke. For every PhD in one subject, there's a PhD that argues against them on that subject. There's a science, you know, there's always going to be that, but people always want to kind of think, oh, one science is the only thing this is the only way it's that's not how it is at all you know real science is constantly challenging itself yep. true true science is constantly saying well maybe not we need to check you know, they can't it's it's very strange um but uh, people that' people
1: tell me to follow the science i'm like well whose science do you whose want science
0: to do you want to follow i know
1: i i happen to resonate with Zach Bush, you know mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. who has more of this connection to the natural yeah. world to the birth cycle to the death cycle and yeah yeah which is really for I think you and I just a rebirth so we need to reframe death and that's key science that's science of life Ayurveda is more science than than western science for me so yeah you're going to tell me I'm wrong
0: it's tough and I agree with you and that's like uh, I often ask people the same thing it's like well who's science do you mean what kind of science Newtonian science quantum science that, you know, it, there's so many different ways that gets into, and I think,
1: science. yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, that, that makes, these are topics that, you know, people can get really uncomfortable with this, because they, they just want clear answers, yeah. they want to think that if this, they do this one thing, they're going to be safe, they do this one thing, even people who claim that they're not, like, for example, I mentioned, like, this, you know, secularized culture that claims they're not religious, and claims they don't need any horrible religion, when you listen to them, they sound completely religious. They sound like religious fanatics.
1: Well, they've taken something else and made it their religion. Yeah, yeah. It, so it just, it just replaces social it. justice or women's yeah. rights. It's something yeah. else that they've. It, yeah, something else has become their religion.
0: Yeah. So you can see it's very troubling with that, and, and I think that kind of once again brings us back to there. There just needs to be that balance there. Okay. We always have to have that balance going on, and that's a that's a it's not easy, and that's something we're always working on. We're all on our own journey for kind of finding that balance within ourselves. And as we grow and we age, I mean, I'm, I'm 51 now and I'm different than I was when I was 31, but not really. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still pretty much 90% of what I want is still the same and 90% of my goals are still the same, but I've tweaked it a little bit along the way and, and been patient and learned and listened. Um, and that's kind of goes that this ties us right back to the front. It's like people have to see their trajectory. Of where they're going but everyone just a lot of people just seem completely lost Uh, and i think a lot of that's just because they don't have any system of self-introspection they just don't
1: you said grounding and and for me it's not religion but spirituality like
0: yeah yeah
1: gives you a foundation it also helps you with the unknown
0: yes yes
1: i don't have all the answers you know someone asked me a question when we were talking about um of course, COVID and yeah, mass yeah. and all this. And well, what about that guy, that Broadway actor who was so young and so healthy and dying? I go, I, I don't know, but I know. that's what the news does. They take one example mm-hmm. and they make it the poster child.
0: Yes, for, for sure. Oh, no, becomes go,
1: what? Maybe he's a Broadway star because maybe he was in rehearsal. You know, Broadway stars are probably chronically exhausted. Like that is one of the hardest professions you could do physically, mentally, you have to be on your game at your top for the- For those sure. Performances. For right, sure. Well, his immune system may have been trashed. I don't know. Like, I, but I don't have the answers. And and I can't use that one example to make a case about the world.
0: Oh, I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very strange to see that. It's like the, you know, in Austin, Texas, you know, we have a lot of people who ride motorcycles. And you'll see people riding motorcycles without a helmet on with their mask on i,
1: I saw the meme i think we were exchanging
0: yeah I, when i saw that meme i was like i have seen this literally 50 times a day like that is just like you you see that and you're like my god or a cyclist New level and, of yeah stupid. another yeah or another or a cyclist in traffic with on their bike with flip-flops headphones on so they can't hear traffic with a mask with with no helmet you're like my like there's like 15,000 other things that's going to kill you before that you know but it's but you can see there's this, this kind of like complete cognitive dissonance mm. you know people have become so brainwashed by what they watch on the news or by their fears that there's there have no ability to think for themselves to discriminate for themselves um which is very sad you know and a lot of this has to there's a lot of reasons for this a lot of it's the education system A lot of it's how they were raised, where they were raised, you know, did they have positive role models in their lives, Uh, who are the? what's their circle of friends, right? You know, like a lot of that is like if your circle of friends is not going to believe something, most people are going to kind of be kind of peer pressured into that in their circle of friends. And that's why, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, what's there's a, there's a saying that you are, you know, the five
0: people. Five people, to. yep. uh-huh, yeah. Even Ramana Maharishi, the 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 sage, the Vedantic sage. they were asking him one time like what's the most important because everybody always wants to say like what's the most important thing what's the one thing you can tell us to do out of all these hundreds of things and they were pushing him one time and said what's the one thing out of all of yoga that you could tell us for enlightenment is it pranayama is it meditation is it mantra and he said association Mm. He, he said who you associate will be the most important thing that determines how successful you are in yoga and that was a that was a very powerful thing. We see it's like that means like what is your atmosphere? What is your circle of friends around you? Um, really determines that. And that's something that I've always been so passionate about is having friends in my life and mentors in my life that support or not support me, but encourage me and push me and inspire me and challenge me. And then um, that is so so important as opposed to having people around you that just kind of reaffirm your own problems or your own neuroses. Um, and that's hard, you know, to do. And, and all these things we're talking about take a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not, they're not easy. Yeah. You know, people, people want to come home and just chill out after their long day at work or whatever they're doing. They're raising kids. You know, I, for example, that's one of the reasons why I never had children. I yeah. just, I had too many things I wanted to do that, that just wasn't important for me because I knew if I did that, I wouldn't have time to do the other things that I, that I wanted to do. So I have extra energy to, to go do the things I want to do yep. as a result of that. So everybody kind of has to make their choice. And that's a very tantric idea. See tantric's all about the consumption of power. You know, that we as humans, we have a limited amount of energy and, and we want to get more Shakti from the universe. We, have, we want to be able to do things, but we have to understand that we're also limited too. And that one day we will die. One day we're going to run out of energy. And so have we cultivated that consciousness that can sustain itself past the moment of death? That's a very important tantric idea, um, which a lot of people don't understand. And so there's many nuances, but I think what we're talking about is that we wish people would maybe just start trying some of these ideas and just discuss some of these ideas.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know any other cure to me that the solutions are never gonna come from without. No, no. They're never going to come from some law. It almost, no. it makes me, I'm all, I grew up with a pretty strict mother.
0: Did you really? Okay. I,
1: I'm always like, you tell me to do that. I'm going to do that. So the more oh, you impose okay. on me, I will go the other direction. Yeah. And, and so it's, I'm not a rule follower. It yeah. has, for me, if I'm going to change my life in any way, or if I'm going to wake up, it has to come out of my own experience and yeah, that makes own,
0: sense. Yeah,
1: my own volition. No one can tell me. I was that person, like, but why? Yeah, I never. That's why I could never do a nine to five job because we have to have this meeting. Why you have yeah. to be here? Tell me why. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, come, yeah, yeah for sure. To punch the clock.
0: Yeah, no? yeah, and that's a challenging thing, you know. When you when you kind of are seeking that independence, it's not easy. And a lot of people they want something very predictable. They want to do something, which the answers are there. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, but you, but we also see where that can take a lot of people. If no one's has any free will and no one has any discrimination, then they're going to get lost. And everyone starts to look the same and you just get this homogenized culture. And then eventually they start getting breaking people off into things. And it's, it's everyone's just fighting constantly. Um, And it's, it's textbook. It's like propaganda 101, <laughs>
1: you know? Yeah, I mean, I have hope. I have hope there's enough people having these discussions. It's one of the reasons. Yeah,
0: why that's why the thing was- that, yeah, it's, it's, it's about dialogue. To me, that's the most important thing. If we can just have a dialogue on these ideas, yeah. um, that, that's where we start, as opposed to banning dialogues, as opposed to censoring dialogues, that something we don't like. Um, to me, that's where it starts to get troubling. When that, when that gets to that, it's like, okay, that's, that's kind of weird. You know,
1: I am um, I want to show everyone your book because it's so beautiful. Oh, I normally take highlighters to my books, but yeah, as you see, there are no highlighters because I didn't want to ruin uh,
0: the
1: beauty of the book. So I have a bunch of tabs. That I put. Right, right,
0: right, right. Um, I I write in my books all the time. I'm I always like draw lines and stuff. Yeah, not
1: not, not yeah. this. It's so beautiful. Like <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself. To
0: there'll it. be, there'll be eventually be a paperback and then you can just take that. I'll, and you can I'll take it stuff. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, but I wanted to read something because I think I posted this on social media. It was so beautiful. And I think I may have cried. Um, I might cry now. Let's see. The entire expression of life are birth, growth, laughter, tears, love, and death. Are all potential sacred rituals. Life can be lived with soul intention, or it can be lived in robotic mindlessness. The human incarnation is a rare event, a precious, precious flash of karmic potential.
0: That's literally what we we're just talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to me, that was the whole basis of what I wanted to really push across with the book was that that we can literally turn everything into a beautiful sacred act um, if we have the intent if we understand how instead of living lives that seem empty and pointless you know tantra wants to say no no your life's not pointless your emotions aren't gross your body's not dirty these mm-hmm. you know these these it's, it's okay to have desires as a human being that that's what it means to be human um and so that that's i'm glad you picked that quote because that was something that's it's true like every aspect of our life can be a doorway Beautiful experiences, negative experiences, joyful experiences, funny, any, whatever it goes through, can be an opportunity for us to have a, you know, that flash, that kind of lightning flash of perception um, that we hope. And that's so because at the moment of death, everyone has to go through that on their own. We hope we can see that as a doorway too, instead of dying sad or dying lonely, and that's just the worst. I think that was the
1: hardest the hardest thing for me to to watch this past year is people dying alone
0: yes I will have to say that was just mind-bogglingly uh creepy and just a complete and total insanity at that point yeah I 100% agree
1: yeah I am I am grateful my parents are relatively healthy at this time and and yeah you know to say goodbye to someone over zoom about, i know
0: um, that just it's like that's the most dystopian science fiction horror movie in the entire world this whole idea that like zoom can replace a true human contact to me to me that's the most evil concept that technology can replace humanity um, and, and then it's a scam right it's a complete scam anyone who's selling, and they know that it's a scam know it's not working the grades are falling in the kids people aren't connecting in classes it's you know i I was telling someone the other day it's like the best analogy i can think of is like you know as a you know you know as we listed all those just disgusting certifications i have right this goes on and on it's just ridiculous but you know if a lot of things when you get past like up to the phd level or advanced level they're tweaking things, there are things. And so doing like a zoom class or a zoom four week class and something very specialized when you're advanced, it's not a big deal. But if someone had told me, Oh, all the, the eight years it took you to get your three degrees and your master's degree is going to be online with no human interaction. I'd be like for this. No, it's not this. No way. It's just, it's a complete scam. And it's the same thing like, Oh yes, you and I can laugh and we can have communicate, but if you and I were sitting in the same room, I can guarantee you the conversation would be nuanced and different. I can guarantee you things would be different. It's just how it works. Um, and I'm a
1: tactile, especially with people I love and mm-hmm. I, I I feel safe with. I need yeah, hugs. Yeah, yeah. I need. I'm like, oh. And I don't actually. It doesn't even have to. When I say safe, I mean like checking me out at groceries if i right. if he's not creepy you know like i'm mm. fine with that like yeah
0: I, so I, th- I think that's the things that concern me is is that and then now of course we're seeing all the problems with this you know increase you know abuse you know a lot of more suicides a lot of psychological problems from all this real really weird disconnection yeah. from hum- human interaction um which how anyone didn't see that was going to be a problem in the first place to me is mind boggling.
1: Well, I think we don't, we, we both said, we're not going down this road. I mean, I think they do know, I I think they don't care. And I think there's another idea of what's happening.
0: So yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's um, always there. And I'm really influenced by the ideas of Rudolf Steiner, the German uh, theologian and mystic on these. And he had very important concepts. Um, which you refer to as the Aramonic principle, uh, Luciferian principle on um, the Christ principle, all these different things, which, which he t- talked about the manipulation of human consciousness. And I've written about that extensively in my books. And so I do think we see that there always is some kind of strange, just like we talked about the darkness and the light kind of creating the world. There's this kind of weird darkness and light battle for human consciousness to these weird control systems. That we see there's always seeking to control things and so true independence true independent thinkers true independent people can often be seen as threats or dangerous um, as opposed to and that which is weird right because our culture uh, espouses or supposedly loves individuals right be an individual you know be the best you can be but not really but, you but know, now they're saying
1: that 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 actually is not. I mean, there. I don't think people are hiding that they're saying no. You have to fall in. Love. We don't oh, yeah. want individuals. Oh, yeah. We don't oh, want yeah, individual yeah. thinkers. Um, and 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 the very foundation with which our country was built, on, which is freedom and liberty, is being somewhat attacked. Like I'm not even getting political about it.
0: Right, right, right. When right.
1: when you're shutting down individuals that don't have the same science as yeah. Yeah. as the narrative science, then that's a
0: problem it's very weird yeah, yeah yeah and we'll see things you know the spectrum of, you know things are going to swing back and forth um, yeah. the, the problem is is it's like that's back to the yin and yang it's like everything is at its extreme transforms to its opposite and so that's the problem so when you push these things to an extreme then the kickback is even crazier than it would be if it was just balanced a little bit more in the middle. So it's like, you have to have these wild swings and it's just like, God, can we just for a a second stop with the just insane swinging and just kind of maybe get a little bit more in the middle, but um, hopefully that'll, you know, more people will talk more about this. I think that unfortunately in today's world, it seems like everything has to be pushed to the worst possible scenario before people start to talk about change.
1: Well, you know. and we're numb. I think it's because we've we've numbed ourselves with food.
0: Yeah, all yeah. sorts
1: of addictions, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, and that's true. When,
1: when you're numb, or when someone you know feeds you sugar and promotes sugar, that's an addiction. Foods an yeah. addiction. Alcohol can be an addiction. Yes. Socials are an addiction, and I keep saying this: when you're numb, you can't think for yourself. You it it takes yeah. something so drastic to make you feel out of Oh, something like Ayurveda, like you said, anything can be healed relatively easily in Ayurveda when it's a, when it's a doshic imbalance, but left untreated, it will get really bad, a yeah. full blown
0: disease. Yes, exactly. So
1: we're at the point where things need to be full blown disease before we have any idea, like we need to maybe just shift a bit.
0: Yeah. That's a really great uh, analogy because that even sums up the Ayurvedic diagnostic system is called Samthrapti and it has like an eight levels of diagnosis. And the sixth level, roughly or seventh level is when disease happens. So you've already gone through six stages that could have been stopped before the, before what we call disease shows up. And so we're waiting for this, like we ignored all these warning lights, all these symptoms that the ayurvedic doctor was trying to teach the person to listen to to watch maybe they didn't even know it but the doctor figured it out and said oh these things we got to stop it they're, you know the road ahead the bridge is out the road ahead i don't want you to keep driving because if you keep driving you're going to go off the bridge and the person's like no 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 i'm fine I, I, there hasn't been you know so yeah it's like that's a good analogy it's like culturally we're even doing that we're kind of ignoring all these warning lights all these things until there's just a crash and then when there's a crash we're like oh my god how did this happen this can never happen again we we must make a law to make this never happen again you know it's like but that's it's like you can't make a law to stop cancer you can't make a law to stop diabetes you can make a law to companies that they can't put a certain amount of sugar in a glass but then people are just buy three or four of the glasses to get what they want yeah. Like, yeah, you can't. I mean, there's so that's very hard to, you know, these topics we're talking about there. Once again, we come back to like education, self-education, discrimination, yeah. self-responsibility. I mean, it's in my opinion, that's one of the reasons why Ayurvedic medicine has not grown in America at the rate at which Chinese medicine has grown. If you look at the evolution of Chinese medicine in America, when when I say Chinese medicine, I mean acupuncture, Chinese massage, herbalism, all that, you know, everything that encompasses that. It's like, bam, just through the roof, like, you know, 50 universities, certifications on medical boards, all these things, really great, right? Ayurveda is just like down here. It's like barely getting around, like barely trying to find some kind of certification process. Barely trying to get schools to teach, and mainly because Ayurveda demands a lot of personal responsibility. See, the acupuncture, yeah, you know, Chinese medicine is just like it's so easy. It's like you're sick, okay? Tell me what's wrong with you, okay? Drink this, you'll get better. Oh, so okay, lay down. Let me stick needles in you and and drink this. Maybe sleep a little bit more. You're better. It works, right? It does. It it does work that way. But then, but then oftentimes, you know, we know that some things are just going to keep getting bad if they don't change, but that's the beauty of Chinese medicine. And it really does work. Ayurveda says, well, oh, hold on. Let me, tell me about your lifestyle. Tell me about how you're thinking. Tell me about how you're living. And then, then also tell me about what you're eating. And then by the time you get there, the person's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I just want, just give me some herbs. Yeah, just, just give me something else. I don't want to change the way I'm thinking. I don't want to change the way I'm living. I don't want to change all these other things. That's just weird. I just want to, you know, and that's why even in Ayurveda, they're like so obsessed now with like herbs, right? What's the fanciest herb you can get? What's the best ashwagandha? What's the best holy basil? What's the best shavan prash? Those are great. I love all those herbs. I'm an herbalist. I love it. But lifestyle changes are are, are so much more powerful than herbal medicine. And nutrition is so much more important than herbal medicine. But most people are like, ah, I don't want to talk about that. And so Ayurveda is tough. Ayurveda is yeah. tough there. Yeah. And, then, and, then the, and then the most troubling part in Ayurveda is it has a spiritual component, right? And then most people are like, uh, I, don't, I don't want to hear that. Uh- <laughs> yeah, Yeah. Ch- Chinese medicine has just taken that. For the most part, there's various schools of Taoist Chinese medicine and five element acupuncture that have kind of brought more integrated thinking back. But what we call TCM, traditional Chinese medicine in China hospitals, new, it's gone, nothing. It's just like, yeah. And so that's just how it is. And uh, And so.
1: Yeah, I think that's why I I never wanted to feel like a victim. I think it's why I love Tantra and the teacher I found in Ayurveda. It's like, empower me. And even when I felt empowered, I wasn't. It really took this quarantine to be cut off from any sort of teachings. Just I had to sit with myself and my shit and I had to do something about it. And, And once you find that, and have an experience of it yourself you can't go back to ever blaming or right. saying it,
0: right
1: because it's so empowering like nothing it's almost a feeling of and not ego invincibility because you know something will take you down you know you'll be in grief again you'll know you'll be
0: in absolutely again. absolutely
1: but you know it won't it won't end you
0: yeah. And, yeah. and that
1: you have the resources within you and with some help, right? You That might mean going to see you. It might mean yes, going right. to see the right person. But
0: exactly. exactly.
1: Cultivating that awareness of yourself, to me, is the only
0: answer. Oh, 100%. I, I 100% agree. And that's why so much about Ayurveda is about behavioral change, lifestyle change, and those things are tough. Now, the people who want to do that, they'll see complete life transformations, right? Yeah. But, uh, and so, and I love both medicines. I'm not making fun of one of the medicines or whatever. I love Chinese medicine. I dedicated my life to it. I love Ayurveda. I dedicated my life to it. But th- that is cl- a clear reason why Ayurveda has stalled in America is because people, it's just, it's asking too much from what our culture perceives, you know. And, I, and, and a Western allopathic doctor would say the same thing too. I mean, that if they, they try to tell a person to change, that the person just doesn't want to hear this. Give me the medicine. Give me the medication. Give me this you know, so like we can't blame the doctors, right? That's when I'm like, we see a lot of people like, Oh, the evil medical system. Oh my God, the medical system. So evil. Yes. There are a lot of problems with big pharma and creepy things in medicine, but we also have a whole population of patients who don't want to change. Yep. And then if you have a massive population of patients that don't want to change, they're going to need really creepy medicine that it's constantly operating on them and constantly giving them medication and constantly playing mind games on them to give them medication of things they think they need. If you had a if, you, if the majority of patients were like, "I'm tired of this. I want to change my diet. I'm tired of this. I need something else to help me with behavioral change," medicine would change. Yep. But it, but it's not. In the meantime, it's not going to. So I never blame allopathic medicine completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a 50-50 thing there on that one. Too. Always two Yeah,
1: persons. I mean, I have a girlfriend who had cancer and she went to the top oncologist. She had stage four um, rectal uh, colon mm-hmm. onto her liver, started metastasizing in her liver. And the doctor, like big wig doctor, this is my thing. This is what I do.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Said, you know, you can have your wine. You can, yeah, don't change your diet. You don't need to do it. And she high out of there. Yeah. And she's healed. She's what a lot of people, and i mentioned her in other podcasts, would call the miracle.
0: Yeah, because yeah. She
1: did meditation. She did infuse. She did all the, she did the chemo that she needed to do. She yes. wasn't, Yes. you know, but significantly less. I yeah. saw her. And she, she was thinner, but she had her hair. She didn't look like a cancer patient.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. you That's a really good example. They used to, uh, back when, uh, in the era of Lance Armstrong, and, and when he was still a kind of a big deal, I mean, he's a very, it um, might be a big deal. I'm not attacking him personally, but when he was in the news a lot, um, there, the oncology was very troubled because due to his successes, everyone was going into cancer thinking they were going to beat it too. Mm. And the oncology departments were calling it the, the Armstrong factor. And they were having to say, listen, that was a really unique case. <laughs> that individual had a different mindset, a, wholly di- a, a, whole, warrior. Different, a whole different a- body, yeah. a whole different this, a whole different, I mean, it was just like, that is not your average person getting cancer and beating it. Like we will help you, but people really need to understand that was so much more going on and the mindset than it was in those things, you know?
1: Well, and I actually know his nutritionist through the cancer was mine in Austin.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And I and knowing what I know about him, yeah, not everybody, if you don't see a nutritionist like him.
0: Right, yeah.
1: I know what he did. I mean, yes. he did not to Lance, but I know what he did for me. Right. And it's right. It's not something exactly. people would ever adopt or think about. No, no. Right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You exactly. have to
1: have a mentality of I am the healer.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I remember I used to do a cleanse program, although I hate that word cleanse. And, and, uh, one, one of the most basic things on the cleanse was just to, I was doing it basically food based. Right. I, I tried to minimize how many I didn't want him taking gross shakes and stuff. And I remember one of the things which was it's still this day kind of blows my mind. People thought it was like mind blowing and just, oh, my God, is that safe? How am I going to do that? And, the, and the, that was to eat three organic apples a day. And, that, and people thought that was like I had people ask saying, like, is this safe? Do you have any recommendations on how I can do this? And I'd be like, first, first, the first year I was like, I didn't even really get, it. I was, apples. yeah, I was like, recommendations, eat the apples, I don't <laughs> know what to tell you, you know, and then after a while, people were like, I don't know how to, I'm like, okay, well, you could chop them up, you could, you could bake them, you could put them in your oatmeal, <laughs> I was like, totally thinking like, and they, and they were just like, oh, that's just so hard to do, I, I don't know how I'm going to do that, and I, and I was thinking, my God.
1: Yeah, just do it
0: that's like the most sense. So you're right. That's like that. That's like, you know, if you really want to see some crazy nutrition, dietary overhaul, most people are absolutely not going to do it. It's the same thing with exercise and physical training and martial arts. If you want to reach a crazy high level, the amount of sacrifices you go through, most people can't even comprehend it. And, and so you just, that's just what it is. It's not like How did you do that? Well, it was miserable. I got hurt a lot or I was, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't recommend everybody to do this. Should I do the same thing? Half the time I'm like, no, I would not recommend you doing that because most people don't have an idea of what it means to get there, you know? And I think that's the problem. It's like, they don't know how to get where they're going. That kind of goes back to our, that whole thing about that personal narrative. They don't know where they came from. They don't know where they are and they don't know, they don't know how to get where they're going. Um, So everything seems crazy to them. Meditate for 30 minutes a day. Uh, How do I, I don't have time for that. Walk 300 minutes a week. How do you do that? That's impossible. Eat three organic apples a day. That's crazy. It bothers my stomach or, you know, whatever, you know, it's just, it's just goes on and on.
1: And I'm fine. I'm what I'm fine with is, is you saying, I'm just not going to do that. I'm fine with you taking Responsibility and saying, "I'm just not going to do that. It's not important." That yeah. that is the key thing. Where are your priorities? Yes. Just admit that it's not important to you.
0: Yeah, for because sure.
1: If it's important to you, you will do it. Like you absolutely. said, absolutely. The children were not important to you. The children were not important to me. What was important right. to me was my spiritual growth and my studies. And I, you know, yeah. was it a sacrifice? Maybe it doesn't feel like one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent.
1: You know, just. In, my least favorite saying is that's the way it is and and you right know, right you know i can't do it because that's the way it is no you could
0: yeah if yeah. you
1: made it if it was important right. enough to you and it's just not so just, yeah.
0: yeah and we see that a lot any kind of like significant lifestyle change it, it takes the priorities have to be there we have to really find out what it why is it how do you want to do this why is it you want to do it what's going on um and, and of course people can kind of take that any way they want they can kind of be more coachy or less coachy or or work together or or drill sergeant level i mean all these different things work for different people but what we're talking about is like personal responsibility for behavioral change you know that's a big big thing um and that's that's a lot what ayurveda asks of itself and that's hard for people to do you know people just do not like to do that or even talk about it for that matter you know yeah. most of the time
1: I mean, I think it's, I think it's the thing to mm-hmm. be honest. from there, you know, if you're willing to take responsibility, then you can transform any situation in your life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we see, you know, and I've been lucky enough to have people in my life who have done and overcome mind boggling things. And have been very inspirational to me. And then I can look at my life and think, my God, my life is really in all things, a, a piece of cake. Yeah. You know what? I, what I have to do. So, I, and I'm very grateful for that. So, I'm always trying to see people around me that I, I've seen that. So then I don't take time for granted. I don't take life for granted. I mean, what? My life is without a doubt way more than halfway over. If I'm lucky, you know. If yeah, I, live, I don't know, you're, prob- you, you're I, probably you're probably
1: about halfway,
0: right? If I live, if I live another thirty years, if I make it to eighty something, you know. So, but I already been through fifty one years, and so. I don't have a lot of time left to lose to me. You know, so to now to me, everything is very important. Everything has always been very important, but now it's like really important because I, I have that perspective of time. I'm not, I don't, I don't ignore that. I don't think that things are gonna be going forever. You know, things are always gonna be happening forever. Um, and so I think that's where we, that's where once again, we're back to priorities. So my priorities change, right? My priority, I have different priorities now than I did when I was in my 20s or my 30s. Um, and it's typically about investing in health so that I can maximize my ability to have a healthy life, to live out my dharma and my karma, and for me to help as many people and animals as I can. And so then that's that's where that goes with through that. You know?
1: Well, I think that's a beautiful way to end it. You
0: just, right on. <laughs> your
1: dharma and... We've gone from dusk till dark. The lighting's yeah, changed. Yeah. It's like moving room <laughs> lighting now. <and. laughs>
0: well, thank so. you so much for this conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. It was fun to talk about and expand some of these, these ideas of what Ayurveda is, what Tantra is, health, and hopefully some of these, these words will inspire some people, hopefully.
1: I'm sure they will. Thank you All so right.
0: much. All right. Have a wonderful night and have, enjoy that cocktail. I,
1: I will. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were inspired by Craig's wisdom. I know I certainly was. If you're enjoying The Connection Conversations, please give the show a like, tell all your friends, or write a review. I would really appreciate it. And tune in in a couple of weeks for my conversation with a true rock star, Megan Murphy. Megan is the editor-in-chief of Women's Day magazine and author of the new book called Your Fully Charged Life. She'll share with us her tips and tricks of how to put more yay into every day. Until then, stay connected.